Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. The Securities and Exchange Commission just proposed a draft rule that will require companies to report their greenhouse gas emissions and is welcoming public comment on the draft. This is a great opportunity for investors and their financial advisors to share their thoughts and concerns about corporate sustainability with the SEC. Today's podcast guest is Stephen Rothstein, the Managing Director of the Series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets. He's here today to offer our listeners his perspective on how this proposed rule will support investors and their advisors in evaluating companies' greenhouse gas emissions reporting. Hello, Stephen, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you. It's a special pleasure to be with you. I'm glad you could join us today. The comment period is open for another 10 days or so, and uh, we want to get the information out to our listeners as soon as possible. So let's jump right in with our questions. And we'll begin by asking you, what's the purpose of this proposed rule from an investor's point of view, and why should it matter to our financial advisor audience? Thank you. Again, it's a great question. And we hope that everybody submits comments by the deadline, which is on May 20th. Um, Why is this important? 88 years ago, the Securities and Exchange Commission started with the basic idea is to have a robust capital market for investment in new companies and growing companies. And to have that robust market, you needed good information, reliable, trusted information. Uh, The SEC has done a great job on this on the financial side. Climate is a growing financial risk. Uh, There are more floods, more fires. We can talk more about that. Investors have been calling out for this um, with lots of information. Again, I can share more details. So investors want to understand what are the climate risks and what are the climate opportunities in their companies. This will ensure a level playing field and give investors the information they need to to ensure there is robust market considering the additional climate risks. Stephen, if you would, do give us one or two brief examples of the types of climate risk that the SEC is going to be reviewing for companies. Sure. So there are a number of buckets. The first is physical risks, fires, floods, tornadoes, things like that. Last year, according to NOAA, the United States had $145 billion of climate risks. Uh, the combination of droughts and fires and and, and floods. Uh, l- last year alone, we had 20 storms that were a uh, uh, hundred billion dollars or more each one, uh, and throughout the country. So physical risks, and those are growing all the time. You know, out west, there are droughts that are reported to be more than it was in the last 1,200 years. So it's a systemic issue. The other type of risk is transition risk. As we move to a lower carbon economy, whether it be cars going to EV or more solar or other things, there are financial risks, whether it be stranded cost or use of capital or employees or supply chain. And so if you look at physical risks, if you look at transition risks, uh, liability risk, there are also employees are asking, they want to work for, 70% of employees have said they want to work for a company that shares their values. So having that information. So these are significant risks. And the other side is, and the SEC talks about this, there's a significant climate opportunity. We're going to be spending 
hundreds of billion, we the world, hundreds of billions more on renewable energy, on EVs, on clean car capture technology, and new innovations. So it is both an enormous risk and an enormous opportunity. Thank you very much. That's very helpful, Stephen. Now, how will the proposed reporting requirements work for companies in the capital markets? And will they apply to both public and private companies? Um, the SEC governs public companies, so it'll focus on those. What we found is that many things that the public market does, investors also ask private companies. But no, the, the, the rule will not cover private specifically. Investors' uh, demand will. And what it will do is it, it uses international protocols. There is something called the TCFD, the Task Force for Climate-Related Disclosure. Yes. And it builds on that. There is another protocol called greenhouse gas protocol, measuring greenhouse gases. So it uses those two elements, and then it builds information that's reported in the financial statements. So it, 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 it's very aligned internationally uh, with these standards. It's aligned with what's happening with both in, in companies and with governments all over the world. And then we'll, we'll ensure there's more information. So in the next few years after this, the final rule is implemented, um, there will be a lot more information for the market to have. Stephen, the European markets are building out the, their protocols and their regulatory infrastructure at a, a, a faster pace so far than the U.S., and they have different protocols uh, across the EU and the U.K. Now, that's one of the things that I often hear from financial advisors is that it, there's this whole group of pro reporting protocols, and how do they know what is going to be required of them. Uh, again, on the public market side, it's great to have the SEC now putting their protocols into place. What about internationally, globally? How is that going to work? So um, if you think about it, uh, 20 years ago, there were very few climate-related report systems. Then there are a variety of them. There's a set of acronyms, GRI and SASB and CDP and the many others that are all very good but they measure different things. So there's somewhat of a climate tower of Babel right now. Um, this will provide more alignment. On the international side, just as on the financial side, there are 140 countries that use IFRS for their financial systems, and we use GAAP for the accounting systems. They're very aligned, but not exactly the same. I think the same you'll see on climate, that we will be very aligned on many of the key issues, but some countries, they'll go further. For example, in the UK, they require every large, the 3,000 largest companies to set a net zero plan. It's not an option. They have to require it. The SEC does not, and they feel that goes beyond their mission. So there will be a lot of alignment. The combination of what the SEC is doing, and there's a within IFRS, there's a group, the International Sustainability uh, Standards Board, they're having a common period as well. And again, there's a, there's a significant alignment among those. So all of these protocols are uh, asking investors for information from their perspective on, on how, what makes the most sense. How is mandatory climate disclosure going to be used by investors around the world going forward? Investors have been saying for 20 years, we had our first meeting with investors in 2003. They've been saying they want more information so they can make investment decisions. They basically, as 
There are investors representing about $60 trillion of assets under management that have made net zero commitments. It says over time that they want to reduce their carbon exposure and do it in a, in a, in a thoughtful way. They can only do that if the companies that they invest in have good information. So if you're an investor and if, and if you're investing in five different, whether it be restaurant chains or cement companies or agriculture, it's hard to compare them. This will give them the point of comparison, just like financial reports. Now you can go to the SEC website and look at their financial reports and understand more about the finances. So it provides the information. Investors, last year, the, the SEC asked for, do you think we should have a climate rule? Investors overwhelmingly said yes. Hundreds of investors wrote, 70% said they should use TCFD as a basis and include the whole emission portfolio, meaning scope one, two, and three. So this is critical to investors. Uh, last year, for, just before COP, investors around the world with about uh, $52 trillion of assets wrote to the G20 countries asking for mandatory disclosure across the world. Stephen, you just mentioned scope one, two, and three, and this is one of the uh, uh, dilemmas that uh, advisors and investors face as they look at companies to invest in. Isn't that um, uh, is it, it scope? These different scopes of emissions are for internal emissions from companies and well beyond that. So, could you give us a little guidance on the scopes of emissions? Sure, happy to. You know, H.L. Mencken, the journalist once said, for every complex problem, there's a simple answer that's always wrong. <laughs> and, and, and addressing climate issues is complex. Um, scope one is a direct admissions of running the plant or the factory or whatever the company is. Scope two is, and, and there's a lot more detail online, but at a high level, it's the energy use. So the electricity or natural gas you're using to, to, to run those facilities. And then scope three, the indirect admissions. And that is both the supply chain, all of the things you're doing to, to buy the goods and services that lead to it. And then after it leaves the factory or the assembly, the consumer impact. So it's the indirect. And in, I was on a call last week and one company said, a consumer brand company said that 98% of their admissions are scope three. So it is very important uh, to look at all of those. Um, it is complicated. Um, but there are great systems out there. There are thousands of companies that are doing it now. There, that are some that are publicly sharing their numbers. So, and and we know more about these risks than we know about many other risks. Uh, again, if someone had asked, uh, in the, I'll bet if you went and read financial statements from a year ago, and said how many how many companies would be pulling out of Russia, uh, there'd probably be none that would have said that. Or four years ago, there was this other nature-based crisis called a pandemic. And probably in financial statements four years ago, it probably wasn't in anyone's financial statements to think about. So, so risks are, you know, I think Yogi Berra said, you know, it's hard to plan, particularly about the future or something. Those aren't his exact words, but something like that. So, yeah, <laughs> these are risks. But uh, we, there's a lot of good information and there are great companies that are leading the way. You know, that's a very good point you're making, Stephen, because uh, we want to consider here also for our listeners what the what hurdles U.S. companies will face to stay in compliance with this with these rules. But you're also bringing up the fact that the 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 puck keeps moving, right? The game keeps changing. the The mandatory reporting is going to cover a lot more over over the long term than it is right now today because of situations that will evolve in the future. How does 
series work with companies to support their objectives in reporting like they're going to be doing with the SEC. And maybe you could, uh, in addition to that, just give us a little background on the series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets, which you are in charge of. Happy to do that. So first, Series is a nonprofit, been around for over 30 years, and it started by focusing on investors who wanted to understand more about sustainability issues, not because they're environmentalists, yes, they may or may not have been, but for fiduciary responsibility um, and understand that. That has grown. So today, we work with literally hundreds of investors with tens and tens of trillions of dollars, over $60 trillion of assets under management, who want to move their portfolio to be more sustainable. Um, and then within it, the accelerator, we try to help make the capital markets more sustainable through both voluntary efforts with investors and banks and insurance companies and others, as well as regulatory efforts like this SEC work um, here. And then we work with partners all over the world. Um, and again, it relates to their investor. Why is this? Why is the situation moving? Because the climate situation is getting worse, which means a financial risk. I mean, two years ago, the president of the new of the uh, Dallas Fed put out a report about climate risks. He didn't do that because he was an environmentalist. I mean, again, he may be personally, but he did it because they had two hundred-year storms in Dallas. And then a year uh, that they cost billions of dollars to the Dallas marketplace. And then a year later, they had that ice storm that shut the state down for, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 days um, that cost enormously. So these are real economic issues. They 20 years ago, people were talking about climate being something for the next generation to deal with. It's here. It is a financial issue today. We're seeing it, literally, unfortunately, every day, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Um, almost a day doesn't, it's rarely a day goes by without seeing a new report uh, or a new statistic about this. And uh, the financial markets need to be aware to protect the safety and soundness of the financial markets. We have more risk today, potentially on the books, on climate risk than we did on subprime housing in 07. Stephen, you've mentioned that among the many investors that Ceres works with and advises, there are over $60 trillion of assets under management. Now, um, that, that suggests that you work with a lot of large institutional investors and you work across the, the global public markets in, in doing that. How did that develop as part of the series mission? I know you have a, a board uh, that, uh, that advises you that is made up of CEOs and corporate executives. And I think Ceres might have been the first organization in this part of the industry to dwell, welcome uh, CEOs and high-level corporate executives to the table for dialogue on an ongoing basis. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, so when, when Ceres started over 30 years ago, it was right after the Exxon oil Valdez spill, where investors came together and said, again, they need to know more about companies' decisions. Back then, it was, should Exxon use a single hull versus double hull tanker, which was one of those penny-wise pound foolish. And so investors have been saying they need to know these decisions. So we've been helping to support them. That has been going on for 30 years, but the last two or three or four, it has dramatically accelerated. Uh, where investors have said that they need to do, we do have, we do have, you know, uh, uh, the uh, 
state controller from New York, the state, the city controller from the city, Calpers and Calsters and lots of other big investors on the board. But then we also work with, you know, BlackRock and State Street and other entities. And then, and then with many small and medium-sized investors too. So the investors are saying to have a stable marketplace, they need good information. And have, one element that they don't have good information on is climate. So we're trying to help them to do that through their own portfolios, through policy work with the U.S. government and other governments, uh, and their work with their portfolio companies as part of that. And, and the, the challenge, it is more urgent than ever. Uh, you know, last year, just as an example of transition risk, because of pandemic and other things, the oil companies wrote off $145 billion of assets. Now, their, their prices are up right now, but that's $145 billion that some combination of insurance companies, banks, investors, somebody, uh, uh, there was a loss. Um, and so to take a look at that. So that's an example of the transition risk that is we're, we're facing right now. Let's come back to the Accelerated for Sustainable Capital Markets, your group within Ceres. Tell us about your mission and, and your objectives. Sure. So there are two major buckets of our work. The first bucket is working with boards of directors that, uh, for, for corporation. For any major strategic decision a company makes, the board will be involved. Um, and I'll just take a... I'll just take a um, an auto company that has said that they're going to go by all EVs by 2035. So that's a hundreds of billions of dollars of investment and will affect their employees and retraining, all kinds of things. That's a decision, obviously, the boards make. So we, we want to make sure the boards are trained, that there are the appropriate people on the boards, that they are recruiting the right people, that they have a board structure. So we have a corporate board governance program working with boards of directors from big and small companies, public and private companies. And then the other side of the accelerator is with the financial players. And as I say, there we're working both in the voluntary, working with banks, insurance companies, uh, uh, retirement programs, accountants, all to move things on a voluntary basis to encourage them to do more. And then we're also working with uh, regulators, the SEC we talked about, but there's a dozen other federal regulators, there's state regulators to try to encourage them to ensure proper transparency in the marketplace. And whether you think, whether it's on municipal debt or on corporate debt or public markets or private markets uh, or, or housing, there are unique risks in each of those sectors. Stephen, where online can Sustainable Finance Podcast listeners go to learn more about the important work that Sirius is doing to bring this greater transparency to company reporting in the capital markets? And how can they get in touch with you and your team at Sirius to learn more about the SEC greenhouse gas proposed rule and other sustainable investment issues? Um, yeah, we'd love people involved. Again, we hope that all of your listeners um, submit comments by May 20th. For the SEC, if they go to series, which is C-E-R-E-S, C-E-R-E-S dot org backslash SEC, that's our SEC page, there's information, there's where you can apply. We have a sample if you want to sign on, it's called a Statement of Essential Principles, lots of information there on the SEC, series.org backslash SEC. If you want information about Series Accelerator, it's series.org backslash Accelerator. Um, and would love to talk to folks. 
Um, I, my email is srothstein, R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-N, at series.org. So would love to find other collaborators in this effort. Great. Now, Stephen, um, we probably want to attach a couple of things to this program so people can dive more deeply into the literature that series puts out. So if you can provide us with some some um, uh, links, uh, we'd be happy to post those for you as attachments to the program. And thank you again, Stephen Rothstein, Managing Director, Series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets. And to our listeners, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. 